Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a super duper non-pretentious episode <laughs> of Inspiration Point. I'm Andrew. And I'm Adam. The famous. I'm glad to be here. The famous Adam. Yeah. You got fan recognized. I know. I know. By one person. On the Facebooks. On the Facebooks. Yeah, it happened. Are you Adam from Inspiration Point? I'm like, you know what Inspiration Point is? Oh, my God. Wow. I, yeah, I was pretty happy. I was pretty excited. Um, you sent me that screenshot, and I was like, wow, man, you've hit the big yeah, time. Yeah, we've, we've made it. We made it. There's that one guy. <laughs> I Now, what you need to do is go back and ask that dude how slash where he heard about us. I think Jim McLeod's told him. That's my guess. That's uh, what I have to imagine. By the yeah. way, we should have him on the show because we were yeah, on we his should. show. He should I be mean, on our show. It's only the right thing to do. It's only the right thing to do. You're right. You're right. And once he listens to this episode, he will contact us and let us know when he wants to be on the show. And if he mm-hmm. doesn't, well, no, he never got to this episode. Oh, there's the trick. That's sad. I think he's busy. I think you might want to reach out. <laughs> um, how was your um, your last week, your last two weeks? Well, my last my last two weeks basically involved me visiting Arizona, which um, I have to say I was hugely disappointed um, because yeah. it did not live up to the hype. I did not burn or spontaneously combust or see anything on fire. Uh, the evening that I got in, the temperature was mild. It rained a little bit and it was altogether way more pleasant than it had any right to be. Um, yeah, you came at the right time of year to be sure, you know, like it's really beautiful out here right now. And you know, like in the fall season, it's not too bad. Oh yeah, you all, know we get we hit that right balance, and it's just beautiful. All facetious nonsense out of my mouth aside, uh, it it really was very nice. Like the weather could not have been more perfect. It was like, especially mm-hmm. in the evenings, it was nice and cool. It was just clear mm-hmm. and just it, it felt great. It felt really great. Um, so Andrew came over. We hung out a lot. That was cool. We haven't, was. we haven't been able to do that in a while. Felt good. Um, probably been like, what, a year? Uh, maybe uh, maybe a little little less, maybe. I think it was actually a little what, what, more, wasn't it? Was oh, it? yeah, a little more, because it would have been like last Christmas. Yeah, not, not this. Like the one before this last one, the one before it, right? The one before like that. COVID went big, yeah. Right. Yeah. Back when visiting was a thing. Right. Back when visiting um, was a thing. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's when it would have been. And so I was cool to to hang out. We basically painted minis most of the time. Oh, it was fun. I haven't done that in a while. Really cool. And it, it really felt good. It felt good. And I, I saw your painting skills, your mini painting skills level up a couple times in a matter of like single digit sessions. Like, well, that's easy to do when you have like no skill. You bet. (laughs) You bet. That's when, that's when it's the best because just like in D and D those first levels come fast. 
and it's right. Awesome. Yeah. And then you're like, wow, this should be my thing. And then you're like, oh, then you hit like the upper limits and you're like, oh, this is where oh. everybody gets. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now this is when it's like actually challenging. I got to I got to give a uh, a shout out. Um, actually, I should probably give two shout outs because uh, I was passing on some tips and tricks and stuff that I learned from my teacher, uh, Brian Merlongi, who uh, is also known as uh, I don't know if he still is, but when I was learning, he went by the Iron Painter um, and mm. he is exceptionally nice. good. And uh, you can find him in uh, some of the season one and most, if not all of the season two episodes of Geek and Sundry's Painters Guild. And he does lots of really easy to follow uh, miniature painting tutorials. Um, and the second shout out has to go out to uh, one of our patrons, uh, Spike, his lovely wife, Rachel, uh, who is incredibly brilliant at miniature painting. Um, yeah, I saw some of her work. It was oh. like, yeah, it was pretty bananas. I was like, are you kidding me right now? It, it's <laughs> like, really, really crazy. But, about ready to take all my stuff back to the store. Just kidding. No, it's fun. But she's uh quite amazing. Absolutely yeah. incredible. So um I I don't wanna throw last names out there or anything, but just in case she's listening to this, Rachel, you're spectacular and uh you deserve to feel good about yourself. Um so so how's it going with you? How was uh how was your last week? <laughs> Well, it was cool. You know, Andrew came by, made some delicious steaks. They were great. Um, and then we oh, did a bunch of painting. We, we watched some movies. You, we hung out, you know, it was good stuff. Um, you know, you, you, know, you those, need that. You need that in-person hangout time if you can get it. I mean, it's that's way easier said than done nowadays. But it's uh, that in-person time is, uh, you know, it's it's easy to forget. I, I wasn't used to it. Like yeah. in a lot of ways, like, I don't know. I've always, I've been hanging out with my wife a lot, which has been good. Oh, sure. But you know, everything else has been like online interactions I've there. And like one of my coworkers mm-hmm. and like he and I will go to like a bar and we'll like debate philosophy for a few hours and, and drink beer. And, and that's really fun. Mm-hmm. But we also kind of sit across from the table and, you know, we're right. a little bit, I don't know. I guess we are, we are, we are kind of interacting anyway on a regular basis, but sure. There's always this, you know, it's not the same as my buddy from college, right? You know, that's, oh, yeah. that's really well, cool and doing the things that we do. Who is the same as me? You know, I mean, the, the world can only really handle <laughs> one of these. Um, that's oh, yeah. probably no, for the it, best. It's, it was a lot. It was a lot. Um, yeah. But in, you know, but you're like, you're like pecan pie, Andrew. Oh, you know, like Super man, sweet. that first slice. Wow. Mm. But you know, it's rich. <laughs> you you wow. need to take breaks. This analogy went down real fast. You know, I was glad to see you, but I was also really glad to see you go. Uh, mm, I'm <laughs> 
excuse me, I'm going to yeah. go cry for a while. Well, I am glad you made it back safely. That was good. I am too. That was a that was a doozy of a drive. I went down to yeah. help my dad move some stuff, and I drove his car back up to uh, California from uh, down in Arizona. And who boy slept uh, slept at a few rest stops. And I'll tell you what, my bed when I got home, oh, felt so good. Yeah. So good. There's nothing like oh, traveling. Yeah. After that long drive. Yeah. yeah. That so, shower. <laughs> oh, baby. Feels great. Whoo. You're like, Feels a, great. you're like a whole new person. So I, I do have one other thing to talk about. Um, cool. Which is I've started a, a, another a quarter for my classes because I teach high school. All right. And I'm doing, I'm doing my D and D class. My, um, interactive storytelling is what so, we call it. A whole new batch of students. So a new batch of students. Okay. Um, and I am, and it's more of them. It's like a full class. It's like probably like 24 kids, something like that. Whoa. And, uh, it's pretty good. Pretty good. 24, 26, something like that. How many of them you think and, are going to drop? Well, I thought I was already going to see a couple drop. I think I might still want to see one or two. Mm. They've been like into it. Like it's been even stronger than last time. Really? Yeah. Because man, we, we said earlier about like getting that in-person time. Sure. Like there is definitely an avenue of this hobby that hits people in a way that is difficult online for sure. Like, yeah. And I enjoy all the conveniences and, and fun of like roll 20 and uh, similar programs. But at the same time, man, like I, I told a student to like make up a character for like a simplified idea of a character. Right. And when I told her, okay, we're going to role play. She like jumped out of her chair and like ran up next to me. Oh yeah. Cause you guys are, are like back on site at the school yeah, we're all on site yeah yeah we're in the the room and she starts you know role-playing her character it's like acting class more like acting class sure and and uh, we do this scene with like a you know girl trying to get an ogre to move out of the road basically yep Um, classic and she'd like she uses like her charisma skills to sell him a rock you know and oh man and uh, it's pretty cool. And today we had another one with another student and we played some improv games. We talked about yes. And, uh, and then we started going through the PHB a little bit and, and talking about like the alignment chart and, and uh, the different races and what they represent. Nice. And it was really cool. I'll, you know, like what well, my curriculum coach came by yesterday and was like, Dude, I heard nonstop laughter coming from that room. It sounded like a bar. <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's so good. I was like, that's a great compliment, I, I think. Uh, Dude, <laughs> but I was pretty excited. I mean, how many high school classes could you actually say that about? Yeah, I don't I don't know. But anyway, it's it's hitting them. Tons of kids in all my classes are like Wednesday and D club Wednesday and D club. Oh, and so we're going to be bringing that back. I, I'm going to try to swing a special deal for one of my former students who helps run a game shop who you met when you were down here. Sure. And I'm I've I'm in talks about buying a bunch of books from there them. You go. So we can just like have imagine having like 30 PHBs in your classroom. You know what I mean? Like, oh, <sighs> dude, that would just be beautiful. That would just be beautiful. It man, you know, you are warping that school. 
bit by bit yes. into your image and uh it's awesome so good yes so it's good. gonna it's gonna be a little bit chunky and a little bit fuzzy and <laughs> it's gonna be great just oh so huggable yeah and yeah. it's gonna look grumpy but it's not that grumpy it's not that <laughs> grumpy it's a little grumpy <laughs> little grumpy but you know with a little more D. The more D and D gets, the less grumpy it gets. That's right. Mm. So yeah, it's a bit, that was that was definitely a good pick me up. I had a student, you know, pay me a nice compliment today, and just you know, he was really happy to to be in the class. And and what was it? What did he say? I was well. I don't want to toot my own horn, you know. But uh, nah, toot it, toot your horn. Well, this is just something I never hear. Let me tell you. Like sometimes at the end of of a course, or like if I get particularly close to a student, they might write me a letter or, or write me a note that says something really nice, which I always appreciate that stuff is like, like don't buy your teachers like Amazon cards. We don't care about that. Right. Like write them notes. Mm. But like this kid just came up to me and said, I just want to say thank you for being a great teacher. And like this class is amazing. And I was just like, <laughs> you, you should go. <laughs> <laughs> just turn into a blubbering mess in front of the children. Yeah, I, I played it cool, but like inside, I was, oh, yeah. I was like, cool, oh, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> cool, man. Yeah, thanks. Whatever. It's it's cool. Yeah. yeah hey, no thanks. Problem. I appreciate that. Yeah, you're you're cool, man. The instant we'll the door closes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was kind of like that. Yeah, I was kind of like that. So uh, that, that was that was vindicating. I, I appreciated that. So good for you, man. That's wow. That's that's terrific. I yeah. I love that that you've it's really impressive that you've not only made this class a thing but that it's continuing and it seems like it's um like it's building reputation like you're getting more kids in there like people are talking about it people are getting excited about it and I mean man that's that's so cool. That's so well, cool, man. You, you take a bunch of kids that have been just cooped up for like a, a year and a half and anything sounds and good. <laughs> that I think if anything that they've developed during that time, is it an insane imagination? Right? That, you know, <laughs> you're right. They probably need an outlet for that at this point. You know, they need somewhere to put that energy in. And yeah, I've been surprised with how many of them are, don't just shut me down. They're like into it. Cause I that, did have a few that were kind of dead last, last time I did it. Yeah. And, but I think part of that was that we spent most of our time online. Mm. So yeah. I think that made a difference. Well, that's really cool, um, man. I'm excited to hear how it all goes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see how it goes. Right. I'm, this is day, you know, I've had two, two days, so maybe next week it'll be like, okay, I spoke too soon, <laughs> but hopefully, hopefully it won't be that, that way. Right. So we should probably jump in. Yeah. I'm, I got one more neat thing to mention before we jump in. This will just be real quick. Okay. But it's okay. There's fewer steps. I am really, really pumped to say that uh, tonight, that this episode is our 30th episode. Hey, which is cool. Pretty darn cool. Like, I, I've been uh, checking like uh, I use like pocket casts 
for my uh, mm-hmm. podcast management on my phone and stuff. Every once in a while, I'll check our podcast just to like see what's uh, what the feed looks like and stuff. And it's pretty gratifying to just be able to like swipe my finger down the screen and have to actually swipe a couple times to get to the bottom of the list. Like there's a, there's a whole bunch of content there. Um, nice. There's a, the guy that I was telling you about, um, who runs the, I I hope I don't get this wrong. The Storycraft society, his name's Garmin. He's the guy who made that video review of spectacular settlements. He also does, uh, his YouTube channel, he does a ton of terrain creation. And actually, I oh, cool. I want to I want to have him on the show because the guy's super nice, super talented. Um, Garmin, if you're listening great. to to uh, to this episode, it's uh, the flattery is very warranted. Um, but he's been listening to our show while he's working on all this stuff. And it's every now and then he'll ping me about uh, what episode he just listened to. Like today, he I got this this ping on discord and I was like, who's this? And I looked and it was him. And all he sent me was it in all caps. He just said, do the dumb thing. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yes, terrific. Do the dumb yeah, thing. There's yeah. nothing nicer you can say to in Andrew, by the way. Like if you just ever see him in real life, just shout that at him. That's the play. Dude, I'm gonna put that on a t-shirt, man. It's so, gonna be on your tombstone. It, you know? <laughs> be, people are gonna ask so many questions. Here lies Andrew. They're gonna be like, there's a story there. He did the dumb thing. Like they're they're gonna think that's what killed me. Bless him. And and you know, to be fair, it it may well be what had killed me so you know no regrets um, uh you know talk the talk walk the walk that's what i say that's right that's right so core philosophy 30 episodes after this one in the can super exciting i i'm uh i've really been enjoying this experience and uh i'm glad we've been able to keep the show going and i'm glad that uh the people that have been listening have been enjoying it and that's um i i dig what we're doing and this has been a blast so uh also thank you for all of you out there who've been listening yeah we do appreciate that get get your friends get (laughs) your friends (laughs) so speaking of more let's get some more hero's journey we are on part three and we are gonna wrap up this little mini series we've got going on yeah on the hero's journey so what steps are we coming to today for act three well like you say it's all about act three so we're going to hit the turning point from two to three which is the road back then that will take us to the resurrection then the return with the elixir and that will complete our 12 stages from um christopher vogler's uh the writer's journey and uh, we are we have left the special world. We are returning now to the ordinary world. But we're um, powered so he, up. He, 
Yeah. So just a, a quick recap from like the last three, uh, the last two episodes in this one is we've been going over the 12 stages of the hero's journey as outlined by Christopher Vogler. It's a way to break down the th- basic three X structure of any kind of storytelling narrative, particularly epic stories. I think we've also been mentioning uh, Joseph Campbell. Right. So his work is largely based on on the work of Joseph Campbell, who, who wrote uh, a hero of the hero of a thousand faces mm. um, and who has like a 17 stage um, oh, okay. set up 15 or 17. Um, so there's a few different ways of doing this. Like I've said before, like Dan Harmon's got like an eight stage thing that he mm. does, but they're all very similar. You can essentially lay them down on top of each other. And, you know, there would be a lot of line up there, a mm. lot of similar themes. So, um, we've covered, uh, act one, we've covered act two. Now we're going into act three and act three is going to be pretty short. There's going to be fewer steps. Like I said, we're only going to talk about three. Cool. So road back resurrection return with the elixir. So the road back is a little bit strange because of the way it's named, mm. but we are going back from our special world, the place where we've learned, um, our lessons. We've just received our reward right Mm. or seized the sword as the case may be uh we've got some new special tools but now there's another step to go on once with the ordeal is finished and we've earned the reward sometimes the movie can feel over right or the story right it should feel something like an empty victory right or or we have unfinished business right or sometimes this can feel um, it could be more explicit, like you get defeated, right? As the case may be. Mm. Often the road back accompanies some negativity. And this is uh, something we'll go through as uh, we offer some examples. Do you have any questions or comments like as we as we go in? I when I was looking over uh, this stuff in preparation for the episode today, um Mm-hmm. I, I yep. wanted to be uh, passingly familiar. Um, sure. This this step does feel like a bit of a weird one um, because it's taking place right after you basically have claimed a major reward. Um, yeah. And it's it's sending it's a major reward. Yeah it's sending you back to from whence you came. Uh, but now you're all powered up. So in, in theory, you should be all amped up and ready to go. And you know, you're good to go kick some. Butt. Yeah. I, um, and a lot of people really confuse the idea of the crisis with the climax, right? Mm-hmm. The, it, like if we think of like a character arc or of like, you know, a, a tr- the triangle of a story, right? We often think of, well, the dead center of your story is the climax, right? Like that's where everything peaks and then it's all rising and then falling action, right? It's like, mm-hmm. no, that's that's probably what, you know, you were told in like elementary school, but like as we, as we delve a little bit deeper there, you know, there's a few peaks that occur throughout. So let me explain um, how this works a little bit. So think of the story that we are going through this hero's journey as the passage, uh, like a trial of adulthood, right? The coming of age. Mm. We 
we grow up in a tribe. We learn to be a child. And then we're giving a, given a, f- a few tools and a task to perform. Mm. We go out and we perform the task. And then we have to come home. But as we're coming home, or by the time we do get home, um, you know, we are faced with one final challenge. The other way that we can we can think about this is when you go to school, right? Mm-hmm. So you have a mid you have a midterm exam that happens about halfway through the course, and then you have a final exam that happens at about the end. Mm. Sometimes it's the very last thing that you do. Um, and so that's a metaphor they use in this book a few times. Mm. So our road back is a good time for a few things. One, it's a time for contemplation to think about the things that we've learned. This could be a nice downbeat for your story or game, right? So again, we're kind of relating all of this to, um, you know, Dungeons and Dragons or other role-playing games, like that kind of experience. Mm. So after we've had this big ordeal, there could be a nice long carriage ride where we get to talk about the things that we've experienced. Mm. We could also physically journey back home, but it also doesn't have to be literally walking home yet. This could be more of us learning something. We also might not be walking. We might be running at full speed because we're being chased, right? Ah, Yes, that's been known to happen from time to time. So this might be a big chase scene, right? Remember we approach the inmost cave to face the ordeal. Mm-hmm. Now we got to get out of the cave. And sometimes the cave is collapsing. <laughs> oh, oh no. <laughs> or there's a giant dragon in the cave that's chasing us out. While it's right? collapsing. Um, right. This might actually be a good place to throw in like a Tarrasque or a dragon or something like that, that maybe the players can't beat and need to get away from. Mm. Um, and that could be really interesting. So, Let me just read this quick section. Just give us the motivation. Do it. The road back marks a time when heroes rededicate themselves Mm. to the adventure. I like that word rededicate. Yeah. Right. They, they have to reaffirm their mandate A plateau of comfort has been reached and heroes must be pried off that plateau either by their own inner resolve or by an external force. Mm. So, External force is easier in D and D, sure. But I think the better GM tries to also include, or rather include, the um, the inner resolve, right? That inner conflict mm-hmm. that we that we can sort of mentally get there. Okay, but there's nothing wrong with throwing a dragon. <laughs> Never. Um, inner resolve might be represented by a scene of a tired commander rallying dispirited troops after a battle. Or a parent pulling a family together after a death or tragedy. An external force might be an alarm going off, a clock ticking, or renewed threat by a villain. The Mm. heroes may be reminded of the ultimate goal of the adventure. This also might be a time, by the way, not a close quote. This might be a time where we realize what the actual journey really was about. Right. Right. That crisis might have been what we presumed we were dealing with. And the climax that we're about to deal with is going to be the thing that we realize we're actually de- dealing with. And as we get to that resurrection phase, we become fully armed with the truth if we've chosen to accept it. Right. That, you know, that was actually when I was uh, reading up on this, something that I found very interesting that this is um, potentially a point where the hero may look at their own 
goals and perhaps be presented with the um, perhaps difficult decision to uh, to basically choose to complete their own personal task or mission or instead um, go for a a larger um, like more important goal um, mm-hmm. something that is less I guess maybe less selfish or um, you know something that's bigger than themselves you know right that sword that they seize in the previous step that reward they get might end up feeling hollow or wrong or or empty in some way. Right. Right. Like they might, they might realize that what they need to do is get rid of this thing. Mm. Right. That is maybe it's best that no one has this. Mm. Right. Or there's someone else who's better suited to wield it. Right. Whatever the the case may be. Like when I, when I think about um, like Moana mm-hmm. and I mean, technically I'm, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but like ultimately she does have the prize and she knows where to put it, but then she realizes she needs to give it to her enemy instead of, um, you know, keep it away from them. Sure. Right. Which is kind of interesting. Now that's more getting into the resurrection phase, but, um, but that kind of plays into what you were saying a little bit, because a lot of times, you know, and this is, this is an easy thing to do in like D and D you defeat the, you know, the orcish warlord only to realize he's working for a lich the whole time. Right. Right. And now we realize, oh, our journey isn't over. But maybe we have that opportunity to say, oh, we're done. Right. We won. Now is now you see that there's a greater threat, but technically you fulfilled the contract. So you could go back and tell the knight commander that it's his problem now. Right. Or you could do, you know, the right thing. (laughs) Yeah. Now, this. Right. Even though it's more dangerous. This makes me think that. um if you are using the hero's journey as a whole multiple times um, in over the course of like your campaign. So you're using the pretty much the entirety of the hero's journey to plot out like the first part of the campaign. And then you do it again for the second part. This mm-hmm. to me seems like a likely place where you could chain the basically the first hero's journey and transition into the second. Like if you're doing like a trilogy or something, is that what you mean? Right. Right. You could say that in a way, a new hope is sort of like the first act of the, of the grand design. Right. right? So you, you could do something like that. Sure. Um, And it's, it's no wonder why in a trilogy, often the second film is the most beloved mm. uh, because in that way, it's sort of like the act two, which is always where all the exciting fun stuff happens. Right. Right. Even though act three often has like kind of the catharsis, the ending, all the, all this sort of thing. So that's one way of looking at it for sure. Cool. So here's a couple of things you can do in the, in the uh, journey home. Right. Um, one is retaliation. Right. The bad guy hasn't been completely finished. Mm. They want to get back at you somehow or someone attached to them. 
So maybe you did behead the the orc, but now his wife, who's bigger than him, <laughs> wants revenge, right? And I, this, she's she's coming for you. This seems kind of like uh, in uh, Lord of the Rings, at least in the books, when uh, they get back to the Shire and Saruman's there causing a bunch of trouble, even after right. they've beat Sauron, you know, there's this little bugger still there causing some trouble even after the fact. Right. That could, yeah, that could happen. Right. Another thing, like I mentioned before, is the chase scene. You get chased out of the place where you're going. Um, there's also a magical, whimsical flight that could take place. By the way, I'm taking these straight from the book, right? These are like the chapter headers mm. or the section headers, I should say. Yeah. You know, there could also be pursuit by admirers like people cheering you on as you go to face Zul at the top of the tower right remember everyone's cheering for the Ghostbusters when they like mm. by the way Ghostbusters is the greatest film of all time uh, anyway wow um, you know they're all heading off to the building to go fight Zul and everyone's like yay Ghostbusters right so that's kind of fun there you go the villain escapes um there could be setbacks. Often you've hit your big plot twist here and you, and Revan, Darth Revan has learned who he is. Mm. Right. So there's, there's some interesting stuff that can happen there. Um, it's also, you know, again, the time to reflect, to look back on, on the things that you've learned and, and maybe come to a realization, mm. right? You remember watching house? No. Remember house? I, you never watched it. I, I know of the okay, show, uh, but I didn't follow I, I, it. I'm going to tell you, what every single episode was every single episode was somebody uh, has a disaster. doesn't seem explainable. They're really, really sick. They go to the hospital house goes snark, 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 snark. Yep. And then they go, um, here's my problem. And he goes, well, here's your real problem. More snark, snark, snark. Yep. He tries to solve the problem. He fails a bunch of times. He makes the problem worse. Then he has a conversation with his buddy. His buddy says something and then house goes, wait, say that again. And then he real <laughs> or he just realizes something and leaves the conversation mid sentence because he's realized how to solve the actual problem. And then he makes the cure and then the guy wins the end. <laughs> right. Nice. So the road back for him is that moment where he realizes what the actual problem is and he has to go solve it. Gotcha. That's literally every episode, but it's still great. I wouldn't like just because it repeats itself doesn't mean it's bad. Right. It's a fun ride, but literally every episode is the same. Right. <laughs> uh, one last uh, example I thought of was from one of my other favorite movies, which is The Incredibles. Mm, um, good one. One of my favorite superhero movies. Definitely the best Fantastic Four movie that was ever made. <laughs> Zing. <laughs> Zing. Uh, the family, they all get back. They fought the big robot. It's all over, right? It's like, totally. Oh, wait. Nope. Syndrome's there. He's waiting for him. Even, right. even when they beat Syndrome, there's the Underminer. <laughs> nothing uh, is, uh, he's beneath you, but nothing is beneath him. That's right. That's right. Ah, the double meaning. Aha. I like that guy. <laughs> yeah, Cliff Clavin, everybody. He's a big mole. What's his real name? I forget. Um, okay, so, any, uh, are we ready for the next step? Let her rip. Let her rip. Okay. Resurrection. Boong. Okay. I think the most obvious example is Neo, right? From the Matrix. Oh, sure. Okay. 
he can see the matrix now. He can stop everything from happening. He can catch bullets. He can block all of uh, Smith's agent Smith's hit and he can defeat him. Now he can defeat everybody because he's the chosen one. The man. He's the one. He's the man now. Right. And uh, everything, everything is now the way it should be. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it from, uh, you know, from what I was reading and everything, the, the simplest way it breaks down is like, this is where the, the big climax happens. Um, yeah, this is typically your big finishing. This is your final exam. This is the true test. This is the point where Tony Stark actually has all of the infinity stones mm. and they are on his gauntlet and, um, you know, he's fighting Thanos because he has resurrected into a new being at this point. Right. Right. And he is ready to to finish the job. Um, come on, May. Right. Really, that entire whole final battle after, um, you know, after Thanos returns and declares that he wants to just destroy all life. Right. Right. That's that's really the entire phase. But it's it's most poignant. The final climatic moment, that big moment is when Tony snaps his fingers and says, I am Iron Man. Yep. You know, that's when it's really nailed a hundred percent. Yeah. And so resurrection is, yeah, the final duel. We've accepted the final challenge. Everything that we've learned has come to this point. We are now armed with the truth in the positive character arc. Mm. And we would like to, you know, prove it now. This might also be a moment of self-sacrifice. Right. Right. Uh, you may see a literal transformation in a character like in a Dragon Ball Z story, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where someone literally transforms right. and Goku can win. Um, let's see. You might take on a new personality. Uh, there is sort of a ritual cleansing aspect to this. You know, the idea behind like sort of the tribalistic roots of storytelling mm-hmm. was that you know, part of your journey was cleansing your impurities so that you were then ready to re-enter the tribe. And various cultures had different versions of this, mm. right? So, um, yeah, I you mean, know, the lie that we possess is something that is corrupting us, that's poisoning our hearts. And before we're ready to return with the elixir, we have to be worthy of this. Right. Yeah. And you you have this whole... um you know, th- this is where you prove the difference. You know, this is yeah. this is where you know, usually where everyone sees the the fruits of your labor. You've gone on Correct. this whole journey. Now let's let's see what it got you. Right. So for a D&D campaign, this is a place where you can definitely have the fight with the big bad evil guy. Right. Totally. And this is the final showdown, you know, barring any continuations into like sequel campaigns. Mm -hmm. But this, you know, the the external conflict part of it is easy, right? Now, now we fight the colossal red dragon. Now we face the Tarrasque. Now we fight the Lich, whatever. But the 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 challenge, I would say, for for the the skilled GM is to make players um, believe in what they said. Right. And to prove it. Mm. Right. If your paladin's been talking about self-sacrifice and the good of all at the cost of of one, you know, might be time to make him prove that. 
Mm, <laughs> give them the opportunity right. to give to, give them the opportunity. Yeah, uh, it might be a good time to give someone a redemption before the end. Mm. Uh, this could be a good time for the um, the bad guy to fully, almost explicitly represent the antithesis of your hero or heroes, as the case may be. Yeah, and allow them to to defeat them in a way that is both physical as well as symbolic. Right. All 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 pretenses also dropped at this point. You know, like you mm-hmm. you know, if the villain has been kind of a shadowy figure or has been um, you know, playing things on the more subtle side or using disguises or um any other covers somewhere in this confrontation you see them for what they really are you see the beast underneath everything mm-hmm. um and you get really the you know like a full appreciation for the extent to which the villain is villainous yeah so in ghostbusters you know now zool is no longer just this mysterious being it is summoned you know the destroyer in the form of the stay puffed marshmallow man right <laughs> yeah. and what our heroes have to do is break their rule and they have to cross the streams mm. right they they were told never to cross the streams otherwise it could be the end of reality as they knew it but now they have no choice right and they cross the streams as they fire their beams into the uh the world of Zool, right? And then they're like, here goes nothing, right? But they have to decide that, you know, they're going to carry out their job and they're going to do what they said. And bust some ghosts. And bust some ghosts, man. Yay! yay. They got a business to run. That's if they right. fail in front of the whole city, they're out of business. I mean, <laughs> they will get like a lot of pretty bad Yelp reviews. Yeah, the EPA will never let them run anything again. Oh, yeah. They'll <laughs> just be flooded with, you know, a lot of paperwork two stars, <laughs> maybe three stars. You get that one dude who's like, I would have given them a five star review. But did you see that thing the other day? They just they could not seal the deal. So I had to dock them a star. Um, yeah, where they justify their review two and a half. Do not recommend, do not recommend, would not bust a second time, would not, (laughs) would not bust again. Yes, they busted. Um, yeah, so a good time to have a showdown to like maybe, uh, if if you've had your twist villain show up, it was really your quest giver has been the villain the whole time, (gasps) whatever it is. Hate that guy. Um, or maybe like that enemy that was always in your backstory has finally reemerged, mm. right? You might even have a few different showdowns for different players in your game, right? They can face off against different enemies. Totally. Um, which could be really cool. You can as, even do it simultaneously. Long, right. You know, pop in between scenes. That's pretty fun. Yeah, actually. That would be super cool. Right. It, it's it, it, in a way it's like splitting the party, but like, I think if you still go down the initiative line and you just pop between scenes, I think it actually works pretty well. Oh, totally. You just tie, you just tie everybody's enemy to them or put all the enemies on a separate on like the second turn. Yeah. Right? That might be the other way to go. There you go. 
Um, so that might be a good way to, to uh, settle down. Uh, th- I did have one character uh, perish during essentially the climax of the campaign. Um, he had like uh, killed himself in order to, well, he didn't like just kill himself. He like, <laughs> you know, died on the evil sky laser or whatever he it was. throws himself off in, a cliff. In order to defeat the drow and, and keep them from infecting the whatever. I don't, I don't remember. It was a long time ago, but I remember that I felt pretty good about it. Well, you know, anything like that happy gets in the way of the drow is something that you should feel good about because <laughs> screw those guys. Andrew's not a fan. Not a fan <laughs> of the drow. <laughs> no, sir. Uh, this is also a good time to present your players with a big climactic choice, right? Like to make a final decision, right, between A and B. And maybe that choice isn't easy or obvious. Oh, so definitely um, not. Do you want to stop the drow? Because there's only one yeah. answer for that. And it's yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And again, this is basically the climax section. This is where it goes. Um, and there may be even a series of rolling climaxes, right? Like several climaxes that hit together at the same time. Oh, and there's nothing um, we like better in TTRPGs than rolling. Mm-mm. That is right. And again, if if you're doing like a separate cathartic ending for each player, you know, that might be really cool. But I would also have that all happen in that session or two where they can see it happen to each other. I think that would be really cool. There's nothing more fun than multiple climaxes. Stop. <laughs> Just saying. It's Stop. fun time after fun time. <laughs> this is a family show. <clears throat> a climax should provide the feeling of catharsis. It does. This Greek word actually means vomiting up or purging, but in English has come to mean purifying emotional release or an emotional breakthrough. Boom. Great drama was constructed with the intent of triggering a vomiting up of emotions by the audience, a purging of the poisons of daily life, just as they took, uh, purgatives to empty and cleanse their digestive systems from time to time the greeks at regular times of the year would go to the theater to get rid of ill of uh, ill feelings laughter tears and shudders of terror are the triggers that bring about this healthy cleansing catharsis catharsis that's right out of the book awesome awesome emotional vomit that emotional vomit is that's what, what it literally means. We are bringing to you guys. We are edifying you and, uh, you know, enlightening well, you. And a lot of times when we watch these films, we come away from it. We know whether or not we liked it typically. Sure. But we, we might not be able to verbalize why that is. Sure. And a lot of times if we didn't like it, it's because we didn't feel it. Sure. In fact, nowadays we literally say, I wasn't feeling it. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> the feels right. were not. But a happening. lot of it. So th- this is okay. I, I I did watch the Snyder cut, and it was long. I you know, and I've heard so many mixed things. Like I've heard a bunch of people go, "Yeah, oh man, it was so much better." And then I've heard other people go, "It was a waste of my life. I'll never get those four <laughs> hours back." And I'm like, "Man, like." T- that's I think those I think both of those people are right. That's what I would say. It it is so much better, but also like did it also need to happen? <laughs> you know. 
Because, like, here's the thing about that that I notice about a lot of the DC films. Mm. Um, Wonder Woman kind of excluded from this. Um, and I don't know, maybe Shazam too. The, those are both pretty good. But the other ones, you often get these big moments. Like Batman versus Superman was particularly egregious, right? There were these big moments mm-hmm. that looked really cool on the screen, but they didn't feel earned, right? Yeah. So that's the idea of catharsis, that feeling of payoff. Yeah. We like our players essentially want to suffer a whole lot. Yeah. But they still want to kind of win. They want to like beat the bad guy, but only, but if the bad guy hasn't made them feel anything the whole time, if he, he hasn't been the cause of their suffering, then it can feel kind of empty, right? So basically, GMs, for any of you that are listening to this, I mean, I know there aren't many of you, but for any of you GMs out there, what we're saying is right up until step 11, it is open season on your players. Make them as miserable as you can and get real creative. Find ways to torture these Fictional, fictional characters and really like make it difficult for your players to sleep at night. And because it's for their own good. So that when they get to this stage, they get to really just feel terrific that they went through those weeks, months, sometimes years of sustained torment that you lovingly crafted for them because you care about this hobby. Dang it. You care. You torture because you care. That's actually right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, that's right. That's totally it. That's totally it. That's right? right. But it's one thing if you, you know, like, just think about this. Your your players are, are, are you know, playing all these political battles and they they win the battle to, to win, you know, their independence or whatever. And then you just drop a big dragon on them and it doesn't mean anything. Hmm. You know, yeah, um, that would be kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. Make sure, make sure it all fits. Don't make sure it all fits. Don't right? do random like, stuff. The the question is like, why the thing, right? So I joke because I basically literally did that. The only thing was that I I did give my dragon a little bit of meaning, but he did feel a little bit tacked on, right? But it's fine. Um, so uh, this might be a last chance to overcome a problem. Uh, let me see. Yeah. It's about proof. It's about sacrifice. It's about change. Yeah. That's what this moment is all about. Right. Um, obviously the, the word resurrection makes you think immediately of Jesus. Yep. Right. And you know, you, people say that like a lot of stories are basically retelling that story. I mean, Mm -hmm. like the matrix specifically, you know, is like a direct comparison. Sure. And, uh, you know, in that story, Jesus dies. Yep. Then he is resurrected and a few people could see him. But it like essentially is like if he if he was resurrected, then it proves everything. Yeah. Right. It proves it proves everything that he's saying. So, yeah, this is not me saying this is now a religious podcast. This is me going. This is the lore of, of the Christian mythology. Well, and so, you know. It it's arguably the most well-known story on the planet. So right. People say it's the, the greatest story ever told. Right. right. So I, 
don't know if I agree with that, but it is definitely one of the most well-known and certainly the Bible is the number one bestseller in the United States. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. You know, it is what it mind is. Mind you, I don't think they're, I don't, I don't know if they're reading Chronicles front to back, but you know, Nope. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do don't that. Do that. <laughs> that's a, that's a whole lot of lists. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I'll come back to the section later next. Cause we got to wrap it up. In fact, now it's time to wrap up storytelling. Yeah, uh, yeah. Unless you have any questions about the resurrection. Nope. I'm just going to bust out my wrap it up box. Wrap it up. <laughs> okay. Then we get to the return with the elixir. Mm. Now that the dust is settled, the final body count is made. Uh, we can uh, return home. We can see the world now in its changed state. At least we, the audience can, maybe the hero can't, maybe the hero doesn't get to, mm. but the people around them, that they've affected probably do. Oh yeah. You know, they get to live on. Maybe the hero does get to bask in their glory right off to the, into the sunset. Hey, but But the important thing is, is that what we're doing is returning to the world and things are different now. Yeah. Balto gets back from the grocery store. That's right. Balto literally brings back (laughs) elixir to his village, right? Like literally now the kids don't have to be sick. That's the easiest way to think about it. It's very straightforward. Okay. No sick kids is you know, and a I, good I, thing. I think this is one thing that, that upsets a lot of Star Wars fans, right? Because when we when we come to the end of Luke's journey, he's bringing a new way of looking at the Jedi to the world. And he is about to, you know, bless the world with Jedi wisdom. Mm. And then we get to episode eight mm. and that no longer seems to be the case, right? And so it feels like it sort of undercuts that idea. Now, I don't want to like, argue about whether or not that was the right idea. Nope. Um, but I am going to say that I think that's a reason why a lot of people were upset. Yep. Okay. Cause I'm not here to, to argue about Ryan Johnson and feminism. You're right. Like, I don't care. Nope. But <laughs> I am going to say that I think that you can see why a lot of people were upset. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and to be clear, we're not saying that those things are not important. We're just not here <laughs> to discuss those things. We're just, yeah, we're just not here for that, right? Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a billion and one YouTube channels that all talk about their thoughts about The Last Jedi. You and I, I've, bet. I've watched most of them, and I'm done. And I am not qualified <laughs> to discuss that intelligently or otherwise. <laughs> oh, you sell yourself short. Okay. Yeah, I'm six foot. Um, I'm not too short. <laughs> anyway, um, so this might be a, uh, you know, a good time to change the laws of Agrabah, you know, to allow people to, mm. to marry each other for love and, and not for political gain. And let right? the genie go off to Disneyland. The di- Yeah. The genie gets to go to Disneyland, and, but the, and the genie doesn't go, really? You could have just said this the whole time <laughs> to the Sultan, right? The, the Sultan just like on a whim says, never mind about laws. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's fine. I don't know why I didn't see it this whole time, but uh, this, this, it's all good. Really? Really? This is what we're real, bro. I like (laughs) you threw me in prison and like, I, I like almost died on multiple occasions and you just hand wave it like, oh, everything's fine now. No, no, bro. We have some resolution that needs to happen. That's that's a strained um, in law relationship right there. 
<laughs> it does, right? Like this stuff's going to come up in arguments. Oh yeah. Anyway, Thanksgiving. Um, Oof. Yeah, <laughs> Thanksgiving in Agrabah. They definitely celebrate Thanksgiving in Agrabah. Totally. <laughs> but, they eat some of those flamingos that are in the garden. <laughs> oh no! Don't eat flamingos. We like flamingos. I almost forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what happens to all those animals that the genie created? Right. Oh my goodness. So. He's got the monkeys. Let's see the monkeys. You know how uh, we're gonna how eat, he just, we're gonna eat monkeys. Just That's what that means. changes Abu into an elephant with zero consent. Abu didn't want to be an <laughs> zero elephant. Consent. He didn't. You excruciating bone plant pain. Yeah, that poor little monkey, and he is an elephant for the entirety of that movie. Like. Yeah, see that, but the storytellers they set it up by like making you see that Abu's a jerk, like most of the time, and he like ruins everything over and over again. Uh, so that that way, when yeah, he's forced into the elephant form against his will, we just laugh. That and what does that say about us? <laughs> it, uh, it says a lot actually about you. It it's like, you lot. know what, that little furry <laughs> punk had it coming, you know, he deserves. Every bit of elephant pain he's in. So uh, <laughs> suck on that, Abu. Much a how do you like them peanuts? Much a boo about nothing. Much a boo about stop. <laughs> Why are you like this? Because you're not, and someone's gotta be. <laughs> someone's gotta. Do I it. go okay. for the low hanging fruit because uh, it's easy. <laughs> and uh and it's late and that's fine and uh and i like <laughs> and we're it. all a little tired right you no know, it's fine much a boo about okay. nothing so i at, like that anyway <laughs> at the end of uh star wars new hope everybody gets a, a theme song and a parade and medals except for um except for chewbacca because as established by a boo lore we don't give the furry guy anything <laughs> <laughs> they don't deserve rights which is like supposed to be a big thing in Last Jedi, where they give a um, Chewbacca, I almost said a boo, a Chewbacca a medal finally. Well, it's but nobody Disney, cares because right? the movie they is could. objectively trash. Um, they could. They so, could. Uh, yeah, at the end of the Incredibles, then they're like, "Oh yeah, the law, it's gone now." I guess. Right. But then they make Incredibles too, and go, "Well, we didn't like say specifically that the law is gone." So now we have to deal with that again. Mm, I feel like right. there's a lot like, of uh, a lot of movies where the issue is that there was a stupid law and that stupid law needs to not be a law be anymore. A law. Like, uh, isn't that what Footloose was? There was like a law against dancing that like something. Yeah, like he. Yeah, you got to not dance. And, of course, like anyone watching is like, well, that's stupid. That's stupid. <laughs> it's just dumb. <laughs> well, what's nice about stories like that is that you're not saying that, like, law is bad. You're saying this law is bad, you know. Right. So you have people that, that are good that can be rebels at the same time. And that's easy to cheer for. And then you have a tiny sultan who uh, feels completely fine with just changing laws on a whim um, because... I guess that's how government should work. It's also important to make sure that this phase doesn't just wrap up everything and then go and um, yeah, the end, I guess. Ugh. Make sure that there's some surprises. Mm. 
that there are some things that the players didn't expect that maybe even raise questions for future possibilities. Yeah. Right. That, that is a, that is something right. Like, okay, you solved a problem, maybe a lot of problems, maybe a really huge problem, but you didn't like create utopia. Right. right? Unless you did. There's always more to do. Right. Like maybe we realize that the bad guy had a family and, you know, maybe there's going to be repercussions to that. Mm. I don't know. Okay. You defeated the evil dragon and now, but then you find a surprise. There's actually like a nest of eggs. Right. Right. Yeah. And that could be really, we maybe we don't even address what we're going to do with that. Just there's the nest of the eggs. Anyway, the end. Yeah. Or <laughs> I mean, you know, you've got uh, Aladdin and Jasmine's kid marries for love. And the person they marry turns out to be an incredibly massive monster. And now Sultan <laughs> Aladdin has to turn the switch back on and go, you know what? You can't marry for love. This was a mistake from the beginning. I was just the exception because I'm super, super great. But otherwise, no, no. Also, I ordered the royal record keeper to change my lineage and say that I was really part of this like ancient line of something or what, whatever. I don't know. He wrote it anyway. You can't marry my, my kid. That's right. <laughs> because I said so. <laughs> Because I basically said so. That's right. Uh, Bloodlines are made up. That's okay. All things are made up. (laughs) All things are made up. Or something. Um, I mean, that's science. On on one hand, our heroes probably get a lot of rewards. But there's also lots of punishments that we can handle out, right? Like seeing our bad guy go to jail is good. Oh, I thought you meant punishing the players. um, Well, maybe that also happens, right? Maybe the hero had to make a hard decision where they had to break a law, even a good law, in order to do what they felt was right. Oh, good. And a good hero will accept the responsibility of the consequences of their actions, right? I was worried. That might mean that they go to prison, right? Or something like that. Yeah. I was I was worried maybe that this part meant that I had to stop torturing the players, but it, it's a good thing. I, I don't <laughs> I don't have to. I can keep keep the torture train rolling. Well, again, you know, it's not just about pain. It's about pain with meaning, right? We want to we want to make sure that our suffering means something. You want the pain to right? be that, mean. That, Got it. Like right before the climax happens, your the love interest might say, "It's the, your silly quest, or it's me. Pick one." Right? And the guy goes, "Well, I got to do what I got to do," you know. And he goes off on the quest, and he does it, and he comes home, and he goes, "Well, baby, I'm a big hero now." She's like, well, we're still broken up because you didn't pick me. Super lame. Right. And then then he's like, damn. But then he walks through the square and then like this other hero lady who's even better looking is like, like gives him a wink. The end. Right. Maybe something like that. That might be fun. Mm. So rewards and punishment. In other words, justice gets meted out. We get to see where all the pieces fell. There you go. Okay. Or at least in what direction they're falling as we bring things to a close. All right. I right. So I remember uh, a couple months ago we were playing in a game that uh, was run by uh, the one of the patrons whom we are ever so grateful for, Spike. Um, I I remember really loving how that campaign wrapped up because all our characters were on the spaceship, the the Nautiloid shooting through the cosmos 
And it wasn't like it wasn't clearly, oh, you guys are done adventuring. It was left open enough where you could imagine there being like further, maybe it's the beginning. Yeah. Like a new beginning. Further journeys ahead. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you still feel great about where the characters are. You feel a sense of closure. You feel like um, like thing. If things did end here, there's a still satisfaction there. That's right. That's right. And uh, that was a beautiful ending. A lot of people were emotional about about it, you know, because it was we did we did make a big final decision, which is a strong point to have as part of the resurrection phase. And then we got to um, experience the fruits of of those decisions. Yeah, it was really and they were many of them were unexpected. Oh, yeah. Which was really cool. Like we we didn't even really know that ultimately we would be telling the story about friendship is magic, right? But essentially, that's kind of what it, where it where it came down. I knew, I knew the I whole had, time. And uh, when we were on that motorcycle, <laughs> there was no doubt, none, no. Doubt. Okay, you and I were definitely telling a friendship story. You that bet. there, there's no doubt about that, <laughs> right? But then we had just like met all these other characters, and we were like, yeah, we're friends now. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Which was really cool. You know, Darn that right. was a really fun time. It was super fun. Um, one thing I like to do for my players as things come to an end is provide epilogues. Mm. Right. And, and kind of give them an idea of what happened in the years to come. And maybe it's not like all the way till their deaths or whatever, but it might be the next couple months, couple years, whatever it is, but something significant. So and so goes on to, to do whatever. Mm. Right. And it might help wrap up their story in a neat little bow. It might leave some things open for, for future adventures. It's up, up to you how you want to handle that. Absolutely. Epilogues are nice, you know, and that all comes back to the idea of closure. Um, and I think honestly satisfying, you know, this could even be like an entire inspiration point on its own. Um, Oh yeah. yeah, All of these could be good endings. And having having things wrap up in a satisfying way, you want to make sure that, you know, that the big major questions that were being asked during the rest of the hero's journey, the big major stuff um, that those are that those are addressed. Maybe they don't even necessarily have to be definitively answered but I don't think, and I mean, this, this might be just a matter mm. of opinion, but if you've been like teasing with, you know, this big looming question or something for months on end or whatever, maybe don't leave that hanging unless you have something else like a, like another leg of the campaign coming where that will be addressed or something like that, you know. Um, at least give that kind mm. of stuff some thought. I mean, w- how you handle plot details and answering questions like that is obviously completely up to you. And um, right, don't do a thing where it's just like it's just endless questions because you're trying to be edgy or cool right. or do mystery box plotting. Right, like literally just like go ahead and wrap up some things. Right, do you really want to tell the same story forever? Like even you don't want that. Right. So another thing I wanted to mention really quick was 
that it it is called the return with the elixir for a reason because we are bringing something back home that's good for for right. life as we know it right right and this could be something where it's literally medicine but it could also be a new idea a change to law like you said before yep um it could be a new policy a new uh business is in town um but anyway usually we see some sort of effect on society right now that's not to say it has to be on society maybe it is just in your life um but something even if it is simply wisdom mm-hmm. has been brought home that makes life different. Yeah. So change is a key word here. Uh, there was actually a, a diagram that's included in the book that I wanted to share uh, real quick. It was part of at the end of the resurrection step. And it was comparing the hero's journey to a character arc. And it had 12 points that had to do deal with change. Mm. So, Stage one, step one was a limited awareness of a problem. Mm. Two is an increased awareness. Three, reluctance to change, which is like your refusal. Right. Uh, four, overcoming reluctance, meeting with a mentor. Five, committing to change, crossing the threshold. Six, experimenting with first change, tests, allies, and enemies. Um, preparing for big change, approach to inmost cave. Attempting big change, ordeal. Consequences of the attempt, reward, rededication to change, the road back, final attempt at big change, resurrection, final mastery of the problem, return with the elixir. Very good. So that might be another way of of, of thinking about it. Yeah. You know, just, I have a problem, I want to solve it. How do we solve this problem? Well, I've got 12 steps that have to deal with that. There we go. Okay. I was listening to a story by Robert McKee today. Uh, as we're going back through the audiobook, right? Which, by the way, he reads himself, which I always appreciate. Nice. And he said, you know, if your character has a problem and they get up, I'm paraphrasing, and he um, solves the problem and goes home and has a nice dinner, you don't have a story, you have a daydream. Mm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, there needs to be this real struggle and examination of problem mm. as we go through. And one thing that, that he talked about doing uh, or like a, an example that he shared from another writer was, you know, someone would write out their, their overall thesis, right? What, what it was they're trying to say, like their premise, write it out on a card or print it out and then like put it on the typewriter as they were working so that every line that they put in had something to do with furthering that idea. Mm. So that might be something to to do, you know, like as we look at the story structure as a whole is to, you know, get down to what is what is what is it really that I'm ultimately saying? And more importantly, do I believe in that? Mm. And by the time I'm done writing out this idea, do I still believe in it? Mm. Um, Maybe put that, you know, on your desk as you're designing your encounters. Does this encounter is this encounter just nonsense where my toys bash each other and then, then the fight ends Mm. and nobody cares, but at least I got to test a build. Yeah. You know, or did this in some way further what it is I'm trying to say. Mm. And that ladies and gentlemen is the hero's journey. Well done. Well done. I like that. And I think, um, I think, I think that really gave all of us like a lot to think about. It's, it's a really great tool. Um, and I'm sure we could talk about it 
and its component pieces for like ever, but we are way over time. So I got to wrap this bad boy up. Um, but thank you for, uh, That's right. for bringing this to the table. It's been really awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for your participation and great insight and great jokes. Hey, you know, I, uh, I contribute where I can. That's what I do. I'm, <laughs> I'm here. I'm not just a pretty face. I'm, uh, though you're also that all oh, see, <laughs> this is, this is why it all works. All right. So this is why it works. Thank you everyone for hanging out with us in particular. We want to say thank you to our patrons who supported us over on Patreon. So a big thank you to Spike Murphy Rose and Logan Adam. What's Logan's last name? McBride. McBride. That's right. Because my memory is not so good. Um, if you would like to get your <laughs> name on the show, head on over to patreon.com slash inspiration point and support us at the $5 level, as well as a shout out on the episodes. You'll also be able to vote on different things. When we do polls, be able to submit mailbag questions and you'll get access to our private discord community. And if you're feeling super duper, super inspired and want a game with us, support us at the hundred dollar tier where Adam will run a custom campaign just for you and anyone else who decides to join at that epic tier. Also, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you found us. And if this is your first time listening, please be sure to download and check out our other episodes, especially in this case, because this is part three of a three-part series. So might feel weird if this is the first one you're listening to. Um, you should be able to find us on most major podcast platforms, including iTunes and Spotify. And if you listen anywhere that allows for reviews, please leave a five-star review and also write up a review. We would love to read your thoughts, hear what you think, um, it makes us happy inside and it, uh, makes us feel like human beings are listening to the show, which is super duper cool. You can also find our website at inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash inspiration point podcast. And lastly, we are on Twitter at IP cast. So all that having been said, we hope that all of you have had an excellent journey and that your heroes go on some amazing wonderful character building journeys from here on out and uh until next time stay inspired bye bye